Valve has announced that it's coming out with a new console, the Nimblendo Twitch. Gabe Newell has said that it's the most creative thing they've done in the last 50 years. In more fake news, this is Nuclear Grenade Podcast. Welcome to the Nuclear Grenade Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Land, and with me is Havoc, a.k.a. Hey Ho. How you doing, Hey Ho? It's me. I'm doing well, man. How's your day going? It's going pretty good. Good man. Yeah, waking up pretty good. Uh, same here. Got that good old uh, elixir of the gods. The Ultra Paradise Monster. My favorite. Nice. What does that taste like? Heart disease? No, man. It's uh, it's only 10 Amethyst. calories. It's like a multivitamin. That's why I tell Brooke. And that's why <laughs> yeah. she lets me drink them. <laughs> so you lie to her and yourself. Dude, they're healthy, man. I mean, if they're you look at healthy. it. Dude, it's B6, B12, dude. Look at that. There's some niacin in there. Yeah, you're, you're right, dude. Yeah. You're right. That's, like, that's how you live a long time is drinking pounding energy drinks. True. Want to talk about the games we've been playing? Uh, yeah, uh, the free games on Epic this week. There's two of them. Uh, the first one is called Offworld. The second one is called Abduction. Um, and let's uh, we'll talk about Abduction first here a little bit. Uh, it's from the creators of Mist. If you're as old as me and Justin, you might remember Mist. Uh, I believe that one came out in 1993, and it was this uh, epic puzzle-solving adventure game. That was kind of at- atmospheric and alien in nature. And Abduction is not a sequel, or it's not related to Mist, but it's its own game, but it's very much like Mist. And it comes from the same creator uh, and publisher, uh, Cyan. Um, it's gotten mostly positive reviews out of 2,300 reviews. And it's one of those games that I think would be really fun to play on VR. And you can play it on Valve Index, HTC Vive. Yeah, yeah. Like when you look at it, it 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 looks like it would be fun to play um, just on your PC. Uh, You're you're dumped into this alien world, and you gotta kind of figure out what happened there. It's trippy, is what it is, and it's a puzzle-solving game. So like you'll you'll get notes um, that you'll have to read, and you'll have to read them thoroughly, and that will kind of give you a clue of how to progress to the next area. Um, other than notes, you'll get, like, visual uh, yeah, things. Have, yeah, visual, like, physical puzzles and stuff. Yeah, there'll be, like, hidden switches, hidden levers, stuff like that. And the satisfactory you get from playing a game like this is uh, solving the puzzle, moving on to the next area, and uncovering more of the story. So, um, again, uh, it'd be fun to play just on a normal PC or whatever, but if you have some kind of virtual headset... Um, I think that would be really a fun experience to go into this world and just, you know, hang out there, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, uh, never played Miss. I watched a friend play it a bit. It's uh, definitely an interesting game. You have to be a super nerd to play those. Yes, you do. Uh, by, mo- <laughs> by most people's standards, um, most people would consider it to be boring. You know, there's yeah. not there's not like enemies that you have to fight. There's no like first person shooter type of thing going on. Yeah. It's, it's like just... a slow burn, interesting like 
putting it together yourself in the atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. So it's not for everybody. Uh, but again, you know, um, it, if you got a headset, it would be a good excuse uh, to use it, I would say. Because it does look like a very pretty world. And interesting as well. So, like, I didn't play Myst much back in the early 1990s. Because I thought, you know, it was boring, you know. And I was I was little then. I think I was like five or six years old. So it was like, I want to play... Oh, actually, I don't think Doom had come out yet. I think Doom came out in 1995. But mm. still, <laughs> even by that day's standards, Myst was kind of boring. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, I didn't even really start playing um, PC games, so like the 2000s. Were you I was like Nintendo? 13, Were you 12. A Nintendo kid back then? Sega kid. Sega kid? I was yeah. Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor kids were... Uh, Sega kids. Hey, you know what? Sega had some uh, benefits because I think that they allowed the blood on Mortal Kombat while they censored the blood on the Nintendo version. Yeah, I, I love the Mortal Kombat. But Sega also had some like bangers that people don't know about that like I would put up against like a lot of Nintendo games like uh, Earthworm Jim, mm. uh, Booger Man. Earthworm Jim like... was on the Super Nintendo. Well, later, but the real one was on Sega. <laughs> the real one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Boogerman. Boogerman. I don't recall that one. Oh, my God. It's awesome. This dude, he's like a fat dude in like a suit, you know, with a little thing. And you like flick his nose to throw boogers at people. <laughs> and you fart on the enemies. And then like you could like eat a thing of bean power up. And then your like farts turn into like give you like little rocket. Sounds like, and it's like That sounds like my grandpa, dude. Yeah, dude. It was, it was fucking awesome. Fucking <laughs> boogers at it. Yeah, <laughs> clean, clean. And you could run out of boogers. You know? Wow. Um, oh, yeah. So the next game, and I think you've actually played this a bit, is Off World Trading Company. Yeah, yeah. You you want to start this one off, or you want me to? Uh, I mean, I don't have too much to say. I only played it for like an hour or two a little while ago, but uh, it's very cool. Almost like a board game style of uh, resource uh, game. And it's interesting, too, because you have, like, an RTS-type element. You're not really battling other people with, like, you know, physical units and stuff. You're making, you're, like, battling them financially and uh, resource uh, gobbling and managing. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. I, I actually played it a little bit. I wasn't able to get much into it. But uh, from what I know, the uh, games aren't that long. Was it, like, 30 minutes to an hour to complete? A, a game so it's not like Civ 6 or I think you can tweak it too but yeah yeah, yeah. so it's not like a super long uh, game each time you can uh, sabotage uh, the other players like you can hire pirates you can detonate underground nukes and you try to control the supply and demand uh, so that what you're selling is worth the most and the end goal of the game is to be the major stockholder of all, I think, seven different resources. Or, I'm sorry, there's 13. I just looked it up. Um, and that one's got uh, good reviews. Uh, I think mostly positive on Steam. Yes, mostly positive. So if you're into RTS games and you're looking for something a little bit different, you know, it's not like Command & Conquer or StarCraft. It's like an economy-based RTS game. So it's a little bit different. Uh, the graphics aren't like super crazy. Uh, it's a lot more about the gameplay, which 
Uh, for me, I've always prioritized gameplay over graphics any day, so um, you know, uh, you might want to overlook that because the gameplay is what really matters, I think. Um, yeah. Anything else on that? Well, not too much on that. I, uh, I've been playing a couple games. Um, first one I've been playing was uh, Digimon Cyber Sleuth. I think I mentioned it like before. It just popped in my head, and I was like, yeah, maybe I will play that, because I just never really did. Um, kind of weird as like a uh, adult playing these type of games because like there's definitely frustrations but it's like from 2015 um, and it came out on the pc and switch and stuff of uh, 2019 but yeah it's like it's it's kind of cool like uh, I, haven't, I, I haven't played like a monster like collector game in a while and um this one's like very different to pokemon um in like some weird ways like for one multiple Digimon can like you can digivolve into multiple things so you sometimes you have like eight different things you can digivolve into and you can also go backwards so you can de-evolve the monsters as well oh. uh yeah so it creates like and I think like they can get more powerful if you digi like devolve them backwards and they just have so many where it's like you create these very complex chains where you can uh, potentially move your Digimon from the start all the way into something totally different and uh, weird and and get totally different abilities because you can remember abilities so like there's a lot of potential there um, for making just like overpowered like crazy uh, Digimon and that, that part's really cool uh, that's the stat parts of it are cool um, it's got that problem though if it's got fixed camera angles and like the levels are just kind of weirdly designed. They look very cool, and like uh, some of their takes on like um, cyber this and hacker this is like uh, very <laughs> annoying. But some of it is interesting. Where you'll kind of have like these weird, like colorful type backgrounds. You'll see like a four oh four floating by and stuff. Like when you're in the uh, Eden, it's almost got kind of like a Ready Player One type of. Uh, Thing going on as well with its storyline where you know you go into this Eden place where that's where where people go uh like into like the simulation type internet place matrix yeah 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 matrix type style <laughs> thing and uh so it's kind of cool uh it, it's got all the tropes though uh, which i can't complain about too much as like an adult playing a child's game but like <laughs> So like, I'd say some of the story beats are fairly interesting. It's like, oh, cool. I haven't seen this in too many of these video games. Um, this being like a cyber detective type thing. However, a lot of it is, yeah, very written for children. And yet the game is not that easy and it's very complicated. So like, it's like way more complicated than Pokemon. And like, it's pretty tough. So, like, I, the writing is, like, made for, like, a child's level. And yet, uh, you know, the game's hard enough for an adult. So there's, like, a weird... I mean, I guess, like, Japanese kids are smarter. Well, you know like, what it might be? They might have had the discussion of... Because that came out... In, Digimon came out in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe they were trying to appeal to the 90s kids... Who are really into Digimon? Who are now adults? Yeah. So they didn't want to change the world at all. They wanted to leave Digimon alone. 
but a- appeal the gameplay to the actual adults. Yeah, but the writing is just like hey. maybe it comes off better in Japan. Well, there's some of that that doesn't really bother me that much, but it'd be like, yeah, now I gotta go hack this. And those hackers are bad hackers, but then we're <laughs> gonna hack the cyberspace because it's a digital verse. And now I got a digital and connect jump into my new Digimon in cyberspace because I'm a hacker. <laughs> and you're just like, awesome. Okay, you've got like six terms. It's like, like a 70 year old man who's like kind of heard of the internet. He's like, oh, you know, like those cyber things, you know, like, like where they don't actually know what the fuck they're talking about or how like you can relate it into a slightly more realistic scenario. Nice. <laughs> so I know, I know, you, I know um, what you mean. Yeah, so it, it can just vary. Like it can be grading at points. Um, music's kind of cool. There's like some of it's like very techno-y, but then some of it sounds like uh, I was like thinking of. Some of it sounded almost um, like David Bowie, like almost in the background, uh, very lightly too. Uh, Whoa! So very, yeah, weird. It, it's weird but enjoyable. Um, so, that, so that that was cool. Oh, and another complex thing that were not super complex, but a thing that I liked was that with the Digimon, you can have like eleven in your party. And they have multiple, there's multiple rock, paper, scissor wheels. So instead of just having like this colors beat this, it'll be like a virus beats a, um, you know, uh, whatever. And that beats whatever. And that's its own circle. And then you have fire beats uh, grass, which beats water and you know lightning beats this so you have multiple wheels of that way and then light and dark um so that adds like another thing where you can get instead of i could have up to three times the damage if i have a perfect strength to their weakness on everything so like their element and their like uh type uh but if i only have like one of their strengths i can get 1.5 damage or if i have you know, uh, slightly less than one, um, I can get 0.75 damage instead of just half damage. So, uh, if they are strong to me, um, so it does create like very, an interesting way to think about stuff. And when I swap, when you swap monsters on a turn, you can actually swap out all of them if you want and totally change things up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty complicated in the, in those ways. And so it makes for a fun game, but I'd say the, yeah, the the poor writing and some of the annoyance of the level design uh, drag it down a bit. Uh, but you know, I'm actually yeah, I'm actually having fun. Are there Just any hot anime that. babes? Oh, it's nothing but hot anime babes. Ah, okay. I yeah. might play it then. Yeah, they're not. It's not like super suggestive, weird, but sure. <laughs> I see that. There's two ugly people in the game, and I think they're both the bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) So that's on Nintendo Switch, uh, PC, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation Vita. It came out on Vita. Came out on Vita. Wow. I can't believe that system even exists still. I remember getting that. I do too. I still have mine. I think we bought ours both. In like 2011 or something. Yeah. <laughs> For like Thinking, 500 oh, bucks. 
Yeah, in Japan. No, it was, we weren't that much then. It, they were, it, was, like, it was 400, I think. Yeah, because I bought mine in Japan. Yeah, I, sure. th- I think I, I did I think it was cheaper well. on base. Yeah, yeah there's like a limited supply of them, so... They were so awesome. It's insane that more games have come out. But I still, I haven't used them forever, but I still have it because I have Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. It's like it's a perfect way to play those games, like laying in bed um, if I want to play them. And it it controls really good. Yeah. That's why I kept mine around too. I have a a really nice case with a a bunch of games in it. Um, Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> um before we move on uh we play oh, I, I had one other game oh you did too okay well i got uh two games two more games as well then go ahead with one okay we'll take Slot. turns yeah all right um so we uh played grounded again uh we had a five hour session um i'm divvying those up into one hour long increments and they're being released episodically uh once every uh tuesday and friday at 6 p.m eastern time um and it's it's been a lot of fun uh we've made a lot of progress i think we've pretty much completed a biome i might be wrong about mm. that but i'm pretty sure we completed a, an area finally Water. yeah the lily pad biome yeah i don't know if we can kill the koi fish or not or if it would even yeah. be worth trying yeah. um that would be one thing, and then also the uh, the helmet. That's like basically the only piece I think that we know of that we didn't get. Yeah, but like at this point, why would we even bother exactly. yeah, getting yeah, it? Because yeah. we already beat the whole area without. Exactly. It. And I think we've still got a ways to go. Like we haven't even gotten into the gas area where it's like poison mm-hmm. gases, and the whole whole biome is like that. I think that's yeah. gonna be like the next place we go. Um, mm-hmm. We still have the tree to complete, but we can't complete that without killing the spider queen, which yeah. we can't even kill normal spiders yet, so I don't know yeah. if we should even well, try we can, that. We can kill orb weavers easy, but... With a trap? No. Orb weavers you can kill straight up melee, but... Uh, yeah. If you're wearing your acorn and using, like, your ant hammer. Mm. We've done it before, but... Uh, yeah, it's the wolf spiders that get the things that we need oh you know what? and uh we start using our shields more which is actually really helpful in combat so i haven't really tried fighting a spider using shield a shield OP. shield and a spear or a shield and another one-handed weapon tried it yeah yeah so um we've already talked a bit about grounded so yeah. we can move on uh to your next game <clears throat> uh yeah i played um tales of portia I've been eyeballing that game for a while. My time in Porsche. Yeah, what do you think of it? Yeah. It's good. It's um it's got it's got some jank to it. Uh, I don't know much about the developers. Doesn't seem like they made tons of games though. It might have been their first one. Um, at least of this scope. Uh, so there's some janky things, the animations aren't great. Uh, it could be like a lot better. Um, it seems like it's not as fluid as in some games because they don't have as many frames of like animation put in there. Um, and it's like some of the systems too are like kind of mid tier. Like the combat is a little floaty. It's but but for the type of game it is, it's pretty good it's pretty serviceable 
because um, it's not a game meant where you're like fighting all the time. Um, it's kind of a Harvest Moon style game, but you're like in a town, you're starting a farm or a workshop that you know your dead dad or grandpa left you, and so you're part of you join this like builders guild and there's other builders <clears throat> and you all take contracts for the people of the town and um you you know expand your workshop and your farm and start growing food and you can get animals and i think they really so you can ride horses now and then there's the mines you go in and you mine and there's like these monsters that you can kill to get uh, resources and stuff as well and um you know there's a whole system very similar to harvest moon or stardew valley where you have friendship with the townspeople and you can marry one of them and have a kid um and you know upgrade your house and all all the upgrades and you know change your clothes and get better armor and stuff um, so it kind of takes a little bit of everything and puts it together very well in a very pretty 3d world um you know, it's a fairly vertical uh, world uh, in in that way. It looks very beautiful. <clears throat> Some of it looks like a veneer, um, but because uh, you can't go into like buildings and stuff uh, for the most part. But overall, it's very charming. Um, characters are all like you know kind of unique, and um, it gives you this kind of dreamy, fun, um, yeah, vibe while you're playing it and. Yeah, I really dig it. Like, there's some cool ideas too, where they kind of get around the jank um, with things. Where it's like, if you go to one chest on your uh, little base area, you can just click next on the top tab, and it'll go through all your chests. So you could put all your chests locked oh. in your house, and just put one outside, and that'll allow you to access all of them. Um, so it's very cool with little things like that, where it's almost like they came up with them to work around the parts where it's like their chests are a little too small or they take up too much space. Um, <clears throat> and so like, that's really cool. Uh, there's, you know, the storylines are, it's a little like kind of vague, uh, but there's a lot of unique stuff going on in the world <clears throat> that like intrigues you, you know, cause clearly you have these old CDs or I mean old cities, futuristic cities but you find like scrap CDs and junk from like a, a modern era. Uh, and you can either turn those into like the priest who's like, these are bad technologies and I'll give you good technologies like seeds to grow plants. Or you can take them to the science lady and she like studies them. You can unlock stuff that way. Um, so there is this kind of weird kind of background like uh, uh, world that feels like real. Uh, and it feels like they had some cool, interesting ideas that they put into it. Um, and yeah, overall, I'd say it, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, I'm just scratching the surface. Uh, yeah, and, it, it yeah. got very positive reviews of 25,000. So that's very mm -hmm. solid uh, base of reviews. So um, yeah. that's promising. And it came mm -hmm. out 2019, so it hasn't been out long. Um, yeah. Yeah, every time it was I, in early access for a bit too. Oh, uh, is but it's full release now. Looks yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, every good. time I look for a new game to play that's like Stardew Valley, I always come across my time at Portia, 
and I just never pull the trigger and actually get it and play it. So it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. Um, I did notice that it's not co-op though, or at least that's it doesn't say it on so. Steam. I don't think so. Yeah, that, that's kind of a bummer. Cause, yeah, because the world is big. Like, see, it would be useful to have other people. Yeah, that'd be really sweet if they were able to introduce that somehow. It's definitely a good game, though. Uh, I'd recommend it. They're working on a new one, too, called My Time at Sandrock. So hopefully they take all the success they had here and um, make a game that's as good and as big and unique, but a little more polished. Okay. Um and again, it's like nothing that's like deal breaking and even the stuff like most of the stuff's not even that irritating. It's just like a little rough around the edges, you know. Like a teddy bear you've had too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, so the developer on that is Pathia Games. Interesting. I, I haven't heard of them before. Um, but yeah, you know, what a lot of developers do is that they do exactly that. They'll make a game, and then they have this huge code base from that game, and they can pretty much copy and paste it over and use it in a new game and kind of uh, improve upon it and, like, make a whole new product with a lot of the same uh, guts and internal organs of a previous <clears throat> game they had made so they can kind of scale up the quality and the complexity um, by moving... Yeah laterally like that so it looks like they made planet explorers it's open world sandbox rpg i never played it i've always seen it kind of come up on steam every once in a while um but that's the oh and ever forward which i've never heard of yeah. and then it just came out last year and then uh team 17 is the publisher behind that which they're huge if i remember correctly yeah. Yeah, I think it's 17 guys wearing wizard hats. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on? Yeah. Let's move on. Oh, oh yeah, the game that, you had. That's right. Um, Seven Days to Die. Uh, it's the other Let's Play series I we've got going on right now. I'm doing that one with my uh, brother, John. We are um, releasing that episodically as well. Uh, that one's coming out every Wednesday and Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, if you're not familiar with Seven Days to Die, it's been out since 2013. Uh, it's been an alpha forever. Um, I think it's funny because a lot of times you'll go into the comments section of their videos on YouTube and there'll be people like, oh, when are you ever going to release the game? But for me, Never. I, I like, well, I hope not because like, it's like an, an evolving game and sometimes they'll come out with like a huge patch. And it's almost like a brand new game that's, uh, you know, kind of like the previous patch, except better, you know, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I've been playing it since probably 2015, so I've been playing it for a long time off and on. Um, mm -hmm. It's me and my brother's like go to game uh, that we always kind of fall back to. Um, and I actually had started playing Seven Days to Die before I played Ark. And I think I brought this up last podcast yeah, yeah. where I thought that Ark was an inferior game looking at it from a Seven Days to Die perspective because of the building mechanics. Like mm -hmm. in Ark, you can't dig down underground. Um, you build like prefabs instead of 
laying down like individual units for building structures like you do in Seven Days to Die. Um, and before Seven Days to Die, uh, I had played Minecraft, but the problem with Minecraft is that you build an awesome base and then what do you do with it? Like nothing ever attacks yeah. it. Like there's really no point almost. So Seven Days to Die cured that problem by saying, hey, every seven days, we're gonna send a horde at you and you can either avoid it or you could build a base to withstand it. And um, so it adds an interesting, almost turret defense-like mechanic to the game. Yeah. Holy shit, did you hear that? Yeah, dude. It's roaring thunder. It's like seven days right now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, on the seventh day, on seven days to die, it's always stormy and like thundering and lightning and stuff. And it's kind of like warning you like, hey, tonight we're sending a horde at you. So that's interesting that decided to happen then. You should, uh, yeah, check, check it out. It's um, every Wednesday and Saturday, and it's a lot of fun. And I think it's uh, still one of the best games out there. And it's constantly evolving. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, if you haven't played it, I guess the simplest way to describe it is it's an open world survival RPG uh, like Ark. Uh, but instead of dinosaurs, you have zombies. And Only um, gay guys play it, though. So you're not allowed to play it unless you're gay. So. That's right. Yeah. And you have to be married to a woman. So yeah, you have to have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have to have your own beard. Well, and the cool thing about Seven Days to Die is it's made by <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the developers, the Fun Pimps. And yeah. this is just... Well, that's uh, a fun name. Yeah, it's a fun name. And uh, they're, uh, high, they're top-tier devs that came from multiple larger companies and decided mm -hmm. to make their own, little, their own smaller company. So they're putting a lot of love into it. And they've been, I think it's the only game that they've made, and they've been constantly improving it since 2013. And um, it's got a huge fan base on um, Twitch, because it, it, I think it is a fun game for people to watch. You know, yeah. you're breaking into a house and you're sneaking, and all of a sudden, like, you, you make noise, like you walk over a garbage pile or something, and a zombie mm -hmm. hears at you and comes charging around the corner, and you're like, oh, fuck. And like yeah. you try to run out of the house, but now there's a bunch of zombies that are like coming out and blocking the way. And zombie, uh, <laughs> zombie, oh god, the cranberries! Dude, how you... awesome would it be if every time a zombie came after you, it was like zombie? That song is so obnoxious. Dude, that's not rules, dude. No. Yeah, dude. It it overstayed its welcome. It overstayed its welcome in the nineties. I don't think so. Just like all the other cranberry I songs. I think it should be the only song that's allowed to be played. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they rhyme in that song. They rhyme the word bombs with guns. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God. When you're from Ireland, you can do that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess to just move on into the news. Beep, 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 beep. This just in. Uh, the Steam Deck is Valve's new handheld. Um, so yeah, they're making a new little Switch thingy. A Nintendo Blitch. <laughs> Nintendo Blitch? <laughs> yeah, a man, uh, man Blendo. Stem Blendo Blitch. Yeah, uh, it pretty much looks exactly like a Nintendo Switch, except it's for Steam. 
Yeah, and it's got two little track pads underneath. Um, the actual controller uh, sticks, thumbsticks. And it's got a D-pad in the top left corner, which kind of looks cool. I don't know about the buttons in the top right corner, though. I don't know about the buttons underneath it, kind of where, like, your pinky and your other finger go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's got a lot of buttons on it, and that's a plus, I think, <laughs> for some people. Yeah, lots of buttons. The more buttons, the more better. That's what Cash Money Records used to say. More buttons, more better. More buttons, more better. That's right. All berries. <laughs> um, but this thing looks pretty powerful. Um, got up to like 3.5 gigahertz uh, AMD uh, 4 core in there. Um, you got 16 gigs of RAM. I don't know what the fuck this uh, GPU is. It looks like it might be like partly on board, but 8 RDNA, uh, up to 1.6 gigahertz. Um, but yeah, so the, the big thing here is that uh, the prices change on the, um, the, the storage in it. So the 256 and the 512 versions are like, what, five and 600? Uh, the 256 gigabyte is two, uh, 530 bucks, and the 512 gigabyte is $650. Yeah, and those are both uh, NVMe cards, which is dope. So those would be lightning fast. Um, uh, but for the $400 version, it's 64 gigs. I mean, like, the, which is insane. Like, unless you're only playing indie games, and even then, only a few. Like, this is going to be eaten up so fast. Most games, you probably can't even fit most games on the 64 gig. That's like if you just want to play Stardew Valley, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> then you would spend four hundred dollars on that. Yeah, it does have expandable micro SD, but how fast can you get a micro SD card? So not fast at not all. Be, yeah, you're not going to be playing like big games off your micro SD, and the biggest games that you would need it for, well, you don't have enough room <clears throat> in the machine to play those games. Um, the screen is not great either. Twelve eighty by eight hundred. Um, LCD touchscreen, seven inch. So apparently this thing's very slightly bigger than, and heavier than a uh, uh, switch. Mm -hmm. And you gotta and keep then, in mind though that it is a smaller screen and it's almost like a 720p monitor where, so like if you have a, a larger a computer monitor or a TV, 720 would look okay. And then imagine scrunching that down onto this smaller screen. So yeah, it, it should look switch, pretty good. Switch has around that itself. So. Switch is not full HD. Um, and then this is like, uh, I like their presser, but stereo speakers that pack a punch. <laughs> it's like, well, they can't pack too much of a punch or the goddamn weight of the magnet will just weigh that thing down too much. Um, it seems like it might be uh, one and a half pounds, which it's, I don't know. I feel like that could be, like, that's kind of heavy. Yeah. yeah. There's two of the trackpads. Uh, like, this too, this is funny. Uh, the trackpads, Valve says, are 55% better latency compared to the Steam controller. It's like, oh wow, what does that mean? People hated that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently this is better, so I guess that's the... Yeah. It's like, hey, look, this is, is better than our other product. Yeah, and then like the other biggie thing here too, to me, is the, um, the battery. So two to eight hours, they say, but they say you could play Portal, 
Portal 2 for four hours. Um, and you get less if you go 60 frames per second, obviously. Um, but Portal 2 is like a really, really old game. So like, I feel like if you're trying to play anything new, you know, you're probably getting closer to that two hours. So it's less of a portable video game machine and more of a lay in bed next to your plug-in yeah. video game machine. Well, and or a couch. Like the Nintendo Switch, uh, there's a dock. So you can hook it up to that to charge it and connect it to a monitor, a larger monitor. Uh, that dock will be sold separately. So now you're mm -hmm. looking at, you know, 800 bucks to get a decent setup. Maybe. You know, I, I don't think yeah. you would want to go less than the $530 version at 256 gigabytes. So $530 yeah. plus, I don't know, 150 for the dock. Mm -hmm. You know, so now you're at seven $700. Yeah. I guess old Newell, they said uh, picking the price was painful. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know how much money they're actually making off this thing. Because this is some good, it's got some good stuff, um, especially for this price point and uh, compared with the chip shortage and all that stuff, um, it's, it probably makes it a little more expensive for them, the manufacturing. One thing, one thing I have like major questions with though is like this thing is like basically a full computer. It's got as much RAM as my computer has. Yeah. Um, and yet, like. Where is all that heat going to go? Because um, you have a battery, you have a CPU, um, maybe I, like some semi-virtual uh, video card, and then you have, I mean, and you have all this stuff tucked in this little thing with the screen there. I mean, th that's a lot of heat. There's a vent on the uh, on underneath and on the back. But yeah, I don't know. Burning I don't... your hands while holding? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that'll be enough ventilation. It, it might have heating issues. Uh, one more note about this uh, um, Steam Deck is that it looks like you might be able to connect controllers into the dock. Yeah, you know? yeah. So if you I wanted think you to. You use it the machine. Oh, yeah, you might, you might be able to. I definitely see the USB ports on the dock, so you could like plug an Xbox controller in there. I'm not positive about that. But they've also got USB-C as well on there. Um, so, cool idea. Um, it's just expensive. I don't know how many people are going to want to spend that much money. You know, for the 512 gigabyte version for $650, well, hell, you know, if you spent 600 more dollars, you could get a pretty badass desktop, you know. But I guess that would defeat the purpose if you wanted a mobile unit. Um, well, and the desktops have just gotten so expensive right now because of all the part shortages. So, I mean, really, this is... I mean, it's probably going to be comparable to a desktop at the same price. Maybe. Um, I don't know. And I, I am skeptical of the ergonomics of it. You know, like with the mm -hmm. Nintendo Switch, uh, just holding it, like, feels like shit. I, yeah. I like where the thumbs are. I do like how high up the thumbs are. That to me that seems better. Like if I'm holding it, I don't know. I think it's gonna feel all fucked up. The buttons are weird to me. Ubisoft uh, getting sued uh, by a workers' union in France for institutional sexual harassment. In June 2020, dozens of testimonies emerged on social media's 
quickly backed by articles from various outlets, Liberation and Numerama in particular, reporting cases of sexual harassment within Ubisoft. With the complacency of the Human Resources Department, <clears throat> which was protecting the uh, harassers and silencing the victims, Solidaires Informatique said in a translated statement sent via email. And they specifically named uh, Tommy Francois, uh, formerly Ubisoft's vice president of editorial and creative services, uh, for allegedly taking advantage of his position in order to harass multiple people. Sergei Haskowitz, uh, former Ubisoft chief creative officer for allegedly taking advantage of his position to harass people. Um, his assistant for allegedly taking advantage of his proximity to harass people, Cecil Cornet, uh, former global director of human resources, who allowed harassment to flourish within the company. Several unnamed individuals, and then the Ubisoft CEO, uh, not for any specific allegations, but because as CEO, he is responsible for what happens within the company. More importantly, uh, complaint targets, blah, blah, blah. So basically... They're getting sued. I don't know exactly what um, the union gets out of it, unless the union is just representing the individuals. Um, yeah, that is probably what the union is doing, and that's why people have to pay union dues. It's because the union's supposed to uh, protect the individuals. Um, but it's weird because it's weird <clears throat> to try to sue a whole company when mm. it's not a whole company that's doing the sexual harassment, but the complaint is is that they're not firing these people who are accused of doing the sexual harassment, and that's why they're saying, hey, this is an institutional problem within Ubisoft in France. Um, so... Well, and if your HR department is, like, instructed to kind of help push things under the rug, and it seems like that is what was going on with a lot of these, because how do you have this many complaints come out and not <clears throat> have the HR uh, department like be hushing it up or protecting uh, those har harassers. So this is, um, I mean, I, again, I don't know exactly what happens. Do they have to fire everyone? Like, um, I don't know exactly the outcome. I'm sure they pay some sort of fine. Well, in, in America, there would have to be evidence shown in court you know, where the, the people, the victims would actually have to provide some kind of actual proof that this has been happening. Yeah. You know, uh, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. I don't know how they do it over there in France. Sure. But well, I, I can understand it, too, as like a move to be like, <clears throat> whether we win or lose. This happened. And so we're going to drag your name through the mud, drag this battle out, bring up the, this history of harassment again and again and again <clears throat> until enough people are talking about it and thinking about it that uh, they're forced to make a change, whether that's mass firings, whether that's retooling the whole incentive structure to prevent uh, these kind of abuses. Um, who knows You know exactly how the inner workings of a company that size works. Usually HR departments, like their whole purpose is to make sure that that kind of shit is resolved. And usually it's women who work in HR departments. So yeah, but their jobs to protect the company from getting sued. Nothing more. That's their job. Um, technically, it's supposed to help the people that work there to resolve yeah, issues. It's supposed and, to. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Supposed yeah. to is, supposed to does. I mean, you're getting <laughs> paid by the boss. The boss can fire you. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's under that guise. It wears that as like a mask. But HR is almost always just to protect the company um, from liability. Well, hopefully, if this is a real issue, uh, the victims get their their win against the company. I don't have any real feelings for Ubisoft. You know, it's just a company filled with people. And if those people are doing fucked up shit, well, then they should pay the price, you know. But there has to be evidence put forward. Otherwise, it's just anecdotal stories, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that'd be crazy if a whole studio got shut down because of that. Well, I didn't mean like that. But obviously, if you have to do that large of a turnover on uh, executives then, you know, the fabric of a company will change. And I think most of the time it's probably for the best. Well, I think they're kind of right, though, too, like um, by saying that some of these employees, like you can't fire them because if you do, then I mean, a lot of these developers, even Ubisoft, like these smaller studios, I don't think they have a ton of room monetarily to fuck around and hire new people that don't really know what they're doing and who haven't proven themselves, you know? So like if you lose the VP of a company, like I don't think it's that easy just to hire a new one. I I disagree only because Ubisoft makes the exact same game 20 times a year. They just put, uh, this is, this is Ubisoft racing game. This is Ubisoft uh, fight game. This is Ubisoft shooting game. Yeah, like it's all, they're all the exact same game though, but Assassin's Creed's the exact same game as fucking Watch Dogs. If you really, if you just get rid of like the background, it's the same fucking game, um, which is like the same game as, you know, uh, you know, everything they do is Climb a Tower, Lookout, it's, it's Far Cry is just the first person version of those yeah. exact same games. So it's not like they're this creative powerhouse that this man is holding the reins of destiny to create the best video game art the world has seen. No, they're garbage. They're a shitty company, and they pump out the same generic bullcrap over and over and over again. Some of it's good. They're competent. They're a large AAA studio, but no. I mean, your games suck. Fucking fire these losers. Maybe your games won't suck on top as like a little bonus to not having people be sexually fucking harassed. Yeah, yeah, if that is what's. No, I'm a heads roll roll guy. I, you know, I'm say fuck it, cut out the cancer and move on. Yeah, well, yeah, they are kind of like EA, where a lot of their games are just kind of generic and plasticky. And I don't even know what uh, uh, games the French studio is actually made exactly. I I know Montreal uh, Ubisoft has made like Far Cry, and mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure about France and what they do. Um, but I do have to disagree. I, I don't think it's that easy to replace uh, people, especially if they're on the higher end of a company. You know, uh, they got to be trained in. It's got to take a lot of time, and that's why companies like to retain their employees, especially the ones that have been around a while, because they know how things work. They know mm-hmm. how the flow is. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it would be expensive to replace a VP in any large company. So I, I again I, I don't it, it may it might be expensive up front, but I think in the long term, if you're competent enough to pick someone that is capable of doing it, then uh, yeah, in the long run it's cost effective because you're not gonna have 
be sued by fucking uh, sexual uh, harassment charges left and right. Yeah, regardless, I mean, like, if he is guilty of it, then yeah, he should I be mean, fired. Like, you know, there's it, no question about that. Yeah, but, like, uh, it, it, this is the type of stuff, though, where it's, like, just their name being dragged through the mud for the last two years, almost every other story about them <clears throat> is being tied to this. I mean, that's got to cost millions in goodwill and in sales and small amounts. Uh, so the, this guy is uh, very easily replaceable um, because what he brings to the table is negative returns at this point. That's a bad precedent to uh, make, though, because no, now, it's not. Well, as soon as someone well, no, would... obviously do the research, like I'm not saying you don't investigate it and then if it's completely false. But, um, you know, if they even hint, if there's even a hint of uh, truth there, then I think, yeah, you cut it out. Yeah, uh, maybe if they're guilty, they're guilty. Fire them. But if they're innocent or you're not sure if they're guilty or innocent, then you need to find out because you can't just fire somebody because of uh, accusations that were made against them. There has to be evidence, you know, otherwise you're setting a precedent that like, hey, like um, you're not guilty of this crime, but you're going to pay the price. Anyone, yeah, well, anyone can get mad because their paycheck was as large as they want and claim something and then cost the company millions of dollars for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I agreed on that point. Okay. We agree. <laughs> yeah. Up next, up next, uh, we got, uh, EA, um, uh, had, uh, FIFA 21 and the frostbite engine source code stolen. And apparently, uh, they're like to try to blackmail EA. Um, they, of course refused and so now their uh hackers are releasing um this data out uh drip by drip onto the internet uh, the big one to me here is like fifa 21 i mean that's kind of a big deal because what that means is it's every fifa game um they now have the source code for all fifa games because they don't change their fucking games at all uh but the the frostbite engine um that's a big deal. I mean, that's a pretty new engine, three, four years old. Uh, they spent, you know, a lot of years making that engine. Um, uh, and to have that source code stolen, I mean, that's pretty rough for them and a pretty big uh, boon for the other uh, uh, video game uh, companies, especially if you're a double A or single A studio. If you get your hands on that source code and then you can start making modifications it saves you so much work uh you know potentially licensing and fees of using other people's engines and leasing them out so yeah, that, yeah. I, that's a pretty uh pretty big deal uh frostbite mm. the frostbite engine's been out for a while though hasn't it i think i think it was kind of new maybe five years but i remember when they kind of touted it uh and it became their like the bedrock for their uh fbs's yeah, John Carmack, who is one of my idols, prolific programmer, he actually set the precedent that uh, he's written multiple video game engines or, or physics engines, and his policy was that as soon as he wrote a new engine, he would release the source code of the previous engine to... Um, uh, so he, he was a firm believer in open source. So... There is some benefit to that happening, but if you own the intellectual property of something and someone steals it, that's not good ever. 
Um, but FIFA, any programmer worth their salt could probably duplicate the FIFA programming. But the Frostbite engine, hmm. I think that's a bit more complicated. Um, yeah, you know, I'll say, uh, you're, I was thinking of the Frostbite 3, which was a big update. But even that was uh, 2013 end of 2013 so yeah i i bet you that so it is older yeah it's <laughs> older so i i think that type of engine is going to be open source soon anyway or code like it will be open source the engines that are being written now are probably way better like the yeah. unreal uh, 4 or whatever and yeah i guess they're already kind of blaming the the frostbite engine for like the failures of anthem and shit oh no that was ea's leadership or yeah, lack of it. Yeah, but these people will say anything. I mean, like, with Anthem, it was like, how big of a deal was it to fix the fucking loot system? You know, it, it takes one programmer to go in there and change the drop rates. And... Well, well, wasn't that the thing, though, that they had them set to too high, and people were actually enjoying the game, and then they turned it down, and then people were like, well, fuck this. It, it was down, like, for, for most of it, because I played it quite a bit when it first came out. And yeah. the drop rates were really shitty. And then, like, for a brief amount of time, just for a couple days, every once in a while, they would have it boosted up, like, so it was, like, really amazing drop rates. But then they would drop it down again, so it was really low. It's like, you, you guys seriously can't figure that out? Hey, welcome back. We just had uh, some connectivity issues, so we're just going to move on to the next one. Uh, so uh, Netflix is getting into game development. Netflix has hired former Oculus content VP Mike Verdu as vice president of game development. Um, so it looks like they're excited to do more interactive uh, entertainment, which may be hinting at more stuff like the uh, Bandersnatch Black Mirror episode they did, which I, I played through um, when it came out. And it was interesting. It was kind of cool. I mean, it was kind of cool to have like a video version of a choose your own adventure and even being able to go like back to page two or, you know, a little bit um, and play through the video multiple times. So that could be interesting. It also looks like they have confirmed they're going to start offering uh, games, like uh, video games within the year, or they hope to. So <clears throat> that that seems crazy. Uh, it seems like they're, unless they're doing small scale stuff at first, um, that doesn't seem true. Or it's probably cutting deals with other uh, game studios to get streamed versions of their games or something. Yeah, they'll, um, they'll probably just treat it like a digital platform, almost like a Steam, yeah. maybe. But like, also making their own uh, games. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's kind of funny because Netflix is kind of notorious. It's kind of become a meme that they greenlight almost anything. And that's why you get so yeah. many shittier Netflix movies. There's a lot of good ones I too, think, but I think it's time for us to get into game development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can. Uh... So, it's a video game about a dog, but this dog can see the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Do you have any other ideas? <laughs> yes, it's a cat. <laughs> but this cat has an asshole that can smell the past. Oh my god! Stamp of approval. Stamp of approval. <laughs> Make this man VP of content. <laughs> you know, it's always interesting and exciting when a company is big and uh, prolific as Netflix gets into yeah. a new realm 
of industry. Um, because uh, it's fun to see the failings. Yeah, and they fail a lot. They fail a lot, but you know, maybe they'll bring a lot of really cool, interesting, new, fresh ideas um, that you know the the older companies haven't really thought of yet, or haven't been able to do because <laughs> yeah. they haven't had the money to do it. Yeah, that's always the exciting part. Is like, what can their money do? Well, you see, like a lot of like Amazon shit failing. Uh, the Google Stadia is an embarrassing joke. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney, I'm I'm surprised Disney hasn't done more in video games. I'm sure they will. Well, don't they own like everything? Oh, so they I'm sure do. They somehow, yeah. they somehow do probably have tendrils, <laughs> tentacles out there. Yeah, yeah, dude. I do kind of imagine like Disney is like a Cthulhu, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will sleep for a thousand years. <laughs> And steal the minds of your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Walt, I can see Walt that. sits on like a dark throne, absorbing like the negative thoughts <laughs> he's subconsciously putting into children. Oh, 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 <laughs> Undulating. Their youth is mine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got a company of heroes uh, uh, announced they're coming out, and I guess they already have a demo up. And the tagline for this one is like, it's going to be uh, World War II sandbox with the scale of uh, Total War. So, uh, Company Heroes of uh, is always, it's been like a very interesting, long, it's been around for a while, uh, RTS game. Um, you got a lot of things going on with it. You have people hiding in cover, um, a lot of unit types, um, and they've been very fun games. Uh, mm-hmm. You can get the last one free like multiple times. I think Epic's given away part of Hunnable Bundle. Usually pretty cheap. Um, it's got a ton of uh, DLC. Um, I haven't played too much of it, but I've really like enjoyed the time that i had uh i do like the um campaigns it was very cool and it, uh, to me it's nice to have once in a while and this is why i really like command and conquer a bit and i know it's like hey favorite rts but even though it ended up getting wacky and i actually liked it more as the game got wacky in today's era of rts's it's nice to have something that's like this is a tank and shoots like a tank and these are like regular guy units you know and just not having like things being a little more realistic just because everything else is so um futuristic or steampunk or you know uh whatever Uh, plus if it can get to like if you can get like rts style battles that are similar to total war i mean that's awesome that'd be awesome as hell yeah agreed um Developer on that is Relic Entertainment, publisher Sega. Uh, from what I'm seeing on Steam, the, really, the release date is to be announced at this time. Mm-hmm. It looks here uh, maybe 2022 is what they've said, release date. But the demo, a pre-alpha demo is available. Yeah, I've played a, a Company of Heroes game in the past because uh, my brother and I were looking for a fun game to play together. And, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. So, um, and I've been talking about it, uh, lately the the comeback of the RTS, how it died down. And now it seems like it's coming back again. 
and yeah. uh, I, I'm happy to see that because I think it's a great yeah. genre. And uh, RTS is kind of like a stone; it'll be there for you. Like a stone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, dude. So that's cool. Uh, that demo goes until August second, I believe. So we got a couple weeks to go hit that up. Check her out. Nice transition, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they call me the transition king for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So check it out. Check it out. <laughs> Um, I'll just bring this up one real quick, just because I talked about it a, a few weeks ago. Um, the American, the amazing American circus, that little, uh, 2d card battle circus style roguelite is, uh, delayed until September. It's supposed to come out in August. <clears throat> so it'll be a month later. Um, but just bring that one up cause we touched on it and I did, uh, enjoy its style. And then finally, the last one I want to talk about was uh, this. Uh, Psychonauts 2 will have an invincibility toggle. Um, so Double Fine um, sent out some tweets. Uh, they said, uh, if you beat Psychonauts not 2 with the invincibility toggle on, you still beat Psychonauts 2. Um, and then they had some other uh, little you know, tweets like... Uh, you know, you just, you want to be able to beat the game even if you're not a Diamond Six rank in Shooty McBlam. So they're poking a little bit of fun at the hardcore gamers. That's always a good idea. Um, yeah. Poke fun at so the I do. Well, yeah. well, I mean, it, for one, Psychonauts is a fun I know, I know. platforming game. So uh, I know you had some thoughts on this. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't think options are ever a bad thing. But sometimes I do think that when you put options in a game, um, that it can be tempting to use them and ruin the experience of the game and take away the fun of the game. Like when, when we were talking, I don't know if it was last episode, it might have been the episode before that, but uh, we we're talking about Ark and all the different options and sliding scales and all these different things and that you can do and how you eventually end up making the game a shallow too easy of an experience and it's hard not to uh for some people to take advantage of oh well, i don't want to sit around for five hours taming this this therisnosaur so i'm gonna make it take yeah. only two minutes but and then they quit the game because the challenge wasn't enough to actually keep them interested exactly and now if you're using and same thing with like people who cheat like in counter-strike global offensive that use like aim bots or that they can see enemies through walls it's like really are you really having fun like having this advantage over other players um because it's a different kind of fun but yeah yeah i think most of the fun that comes from a game is overcoming the challenge of it and once that cha <laughs> once that challenge is removed or if you uh incentivize removing the challenge from a developer standpoint, mm -hmm. and I do think that there's some responsibility on the developer's side to make it a fun experience, to try to ensure that's a fun experience for the player. And when you incentivize taking the challenge out of a game, or having the option there to do so, 
Um, I, I think more mature gamers like us would probably not use that ever, but I think younger kids might. And now we're going to look at a future of shitty gamers because they can just enable invincibility mode whenever they want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depends on how young. But I also think, uh, I mean, Psychonauts combat is not the main focus of the game. Mm -hmm. It's the quirky stories and the platforming and the puzzle solving. Like, I don't, I don't really have a problem with this at all. I kind of even like it. It's, I don't feel like I would ever be tempted to use it. Um, but it's there for people. Another of this not only comes down, especially for a game like this, where it is kind of designed for children. So you want it to be accessible to children. Um, but there's also kind of the uh, uh, accessibility issues question too. Um, but my other take too is like people try to use this like in the argument of every game should have an easy mode and, uh, and they try to make it some like moral crusade. I don't think that's true either. Um, I think a lot of games could stand to have uh, difficulty modes. Um, but if difficulty is part of the experience, then I can totally understand why and even prefer why a developer doesn't add that ability to the game because the whole point, especially something like Dark Souls, where this always gets brought up, but part of Dark Souls, it wants you to feel is like, especially if you get stuck and pissed off, it wants you to feel helpless. It doesn't want you to feel like you can just go and turn the difficulty down. That's part of the game is not having that option. It's part of the entire atmosphere and an oppressive feeling that that game puts on you. And it turns out a lot of people like that because um, those games are fucking sell like gangbusters and they make 10 of them. They've made 10 of them and they're fucking amazing. <laughs> Each and every last one, even the bad ones. So um, there's, I think it, it's a, it's a, it, it's an argument that people do not argue like in good faith very often it's usually like, oh, you want a baby game. You'll never get good at games because you're gay. <laughs> and then the other side's like, you're evil and you hate people with disabilities and children because <laughs> you don't want them to have invincibility mode. <laughs> and I think it's just, no, it's like it comes down to the artist's choice, the direction and scope of what the game's aiming for. And then also, you know, it, you know is this designed for certain uh, groups of people? Like, uh, your average 90% of adults can beat Dark Souls, and the game's made for adults. So, you know, I, I, I can see, um, I think, you know, with some games you should have it, and some games you shouldn't. And uh, we should let uh, the developers make those choices um, yeah. based on what's best for the game. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the ones that are uh, working on it, that spend all this time. Uh, trying to make it a great game and so they're not just going to casually throw something in there without thinking about it i'm sure they're yeah, going to have it's their investment you know yeah their money's in in it and they need it to be they want it to be successful so they can make money yeah it's all about the money all about them benjamins yeah. oh wow ilian omar over here ilian. <laughs> <laughs> wow um, but yeah, so Psychonauts 2 is coming out August 25th this year. Uh, developers Double Fine Productions, publishers Xbox Game Studios. Uh, that's a single-player game. Uh, Story-rich, 3D platformer, comedy. Uh, it's a fun game. And since it is a fun game, 
I guess if I were on the board at the development team, I would probably say, yeah, throw it in there. I think choice is fine with a game like this, personally. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, you have anything else to add uh, before we wrap up the old cast? Uh, yeah. Uh, again, Grounded Let's Play every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, new episode, and then Seven Days to Die every Wednesday and Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's all I got. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Again, I've been Justin. That's been Hey Ho. This has been Nuclear Grenade Podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week. Adios. Thank <laughs> you.